podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome along to your latest edition of the TII Sunday Session. My name is Craig Dennett and I'm your host this evening and talk back on what's been a very, very busy week for Rangers that couldn't even be stopped by Elon Musk messing about with Twitter. Um, I'm joined by Jock, first of all. How are we doing, Jock? Not too bad. Just looking forward to getting the first one of this, the season. Absolutely. It's always good to get back on the pod after a break for summer and we're joined by the ma- managing editor, Tommy. How are we doing, Tommy? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, it's uh, it's good to... Absolutely, there's plenty for us to discuss. There's been new signings this week with Abdullah Sima. There's been progress on another one with Serial Dessers. There's been rumours um, abound about uh, the club speaking to Danilo from um, Feyenoord. There's, a, there's um, a fourth signing or a fourth player that we're after that we're not entirely sure exactly who it is, so we'll have a wee bit of discussion around that one. As much as we've seen plenty of incomings now, we'll also look at the outgoings as well. There's, I imagine there's going to be plenty of those. We even saw a rumour today of Yanis Hadji to Aberdeen, which um, we'll uh, discuss in depth and at length at some point in the podcast. And So much happened this week that I actually forgot that the fixtures came out only on, on Friday there, so we'll talk about that as well in the start of the season and where our sort of expectations sit now that we know who we're playing and when we're playing them. So, first of all, Abdul Asima joined on a season-long loan from Brighton, Jock. Um, it was one that was kind of came out of nowhere the week before and then quickly gathered pace. Right-sided forward, they played against us for Slavia Prague in the Europa League um, two seasons ago, three seasons ago. Um, and then... Uh, he moved to Brighton, spent last season on loan at Angers, um, and we signed him as a one of our right-sided forwards for the coming season. Season on loan. What are your thoughts on the transfer? A couple of days now has passed since he was he was announced. What are your thoughts on Abdullah Sima joining Rangers? Yeah, it's, it's it's good to see another fresh face on the door. Um, oh, I couldn't remember much about him from the, the Slava game. Obviously, we played a couple of years ago, so. To do the usual YouTube to go and see what he's been up to since. Um, I know, like last season, he was in a pretty poor Angers team. Um, and I know that this, this, the people that are all going on about the stats will probably not be too happy with what numbers he produced. But if you look at the if you look at the, the YouTube clips again, which is almost we've really got to go on, um, he looks like somebody who's got plenty of ability. He's pretty pacey. He's pretty direct. He's tall. Um, there's, there's a lot of mentions about his neck size on Twitter for some reason. Whenever it works, um, he's for what I see, he looks to, looks to be a good sort of all round forward type player. He'll, he'll, he'll definitely give us a, a different threat uh, on that right hand side. So it's, it's it's good to see. Tommy, the right side of that forward three, I guess, has has been an issue for for many since Daniel Kandias left. But for many, it's been an issue for much longer than than that. Do you think Abdul Asima has the the promise, I guess, to, to fill that fill that gap that there's been? Well, he's definitely the promise, um, and you know we saw him we saw him when we when we, we played Slavia, as you've uh, referenced there. He's a, he's a really good player. 
think the fact he can play on the wing, but he can also come in is exactly why Brighton paid paid the money they had for him. He's a he's an international. He's got a really good kind of background. I think he is a he's an upgrade on anything we've had out there, um, and I expect him to be the type of loan that can hit the ground running. To be honest with you, I don't think he's a right magic. You go and develop this player for us type of scenario when he gets maybe the odd game in a cup or something like that. Um, I reckon he's going to force himself into being a starter pretty quickly. He's got a, he's got a good physicality about him. He's got, actually got an incredibly good work rate as well. Um, and he's he's someone who I think will really make a difference um, this coming season. I think he's only, off the top of my head, I think he's 22. Yeah. But he's played at a, you know, a particularly high level. He's been in around not only teams at the top of their particular leagues, etc., in terms of Slavia, but then got the big move. Um, he's also played in Europe. So he's exactly the type of player that we'd want to be seeing. What's not particularly clear is whether there's any sort of buy clause in there. I'm not entirely sure there would be at this point in time. I think Brighton would like to hedge their bets and they've got a particularly good recruitment um, cycle, obviously, with the technical director sitting on top of it and David Weir. Yeah, Toby, I want to want to pick up on that one actually, because that was going to be my next kind of question on that one. In terms of by all accounts, going by reports on Brighton's side, there's no option to buy in there. We've seen in recent seasons that that's been a, made a priority in Rangers' transfer strategy around um, whenever we take a player on loan, we're not just developing a player for a season and then sending them back to his parent club or better player. We're we're always giving ourselves that that opportunity to if they're a success at Rangers. The opportunity to buy. We've seen a, a bit of a strange situation with Malik Tillman at the start of this summer um, that we had the option to buy, but then it, would, it changed somewhat. How do you feel about not having an option to buy, but having a player on loan? Is, is it is it just part and parcel if we want players of a certain quality? Then we, we need to accept that sometimes from English Premier League teams, from teams in, in leagues in the top five. Is it, um, is it more a case of We've only got so much of a budget, but we potentially need more players than the budget can cater for. And therefore, having some loans like like Sima, who's obviously a, a, a good player, to fill a gap for 12 months and then we go spend money in that position in a year's time. Is that more of the angle you think it might be? It, it, it's all of the above. And before I break, break down into them, for any of the listeners or watchers there, that was a polite Tommy stop blowing up my... Agenda questions there. That was me getting that was me getting a telling off from Craig. If anybody actually, if anybody picked up on it, um, see, this is how I really get treated in the background, even though I'm the managing editor. This is what they do to me. But yeah, listen, it's all it's all the above there. So, in terms of prioritisation, you're looking to spend your capital, spend your money, whatever you you've got it for the real headline acts. Now Rangers know that they need to spend money in forward and midfield position. We've talked about left centre backs and all that later on in the pod, right? But that's where the money and where the, the real work had to be done. So then you start to see, right, where else do I need? I need to spend the money they are, get a finite amount of money, same as any club, right? Who, who else can I bring in to do that job for those 12 months of that season that you're talking about? Then you identify a player who's going to be a starter, who's going to add value, and I think Michael Bale's been very clear about that. He's not interested in veterans and crops and end of season, or end of career. He's interested in players who lift the quality of the squad and can be starters, right? And Rangers, by and large, over the past couple of seasons have suffered from players coming in who haven't been able to be starters and have then just padded out the, padded out the squad. So then you enter negotiations with the with the, the parent club, so to speak, and you're trying to build a relationship at the same time there. 
So it's not a negotiate and die scenario, it's a negotiate and see if we can live. And we can live with the fact that CIMA comes in with no immediate buy clause, but he does a job for us for 12 months, all parties may get something out of it, and then that's fine. With the Tillman situation, we got to a different place. We were able to um, negotiate the clause, but also negotiate the backout clause, which you know, Bayern obviously obviously triggered at some point. It's You want, in an optimal position, you want to have first dibs, right? And have that number sorted. But ultimately what you want more than anything is to get the player in the door. Rangers have done that. The other part can take care of itself. Ultimately, a really important part that lots of people seem to miss sometimes with those particular stories, and I don't want to you know, give this too much length, but the player comes. You know, I'm not entirely convinced that Malik Tillman was sold on Glasgow or anything like that either. So it could be that Seema comes and says, that's the place for me. Actually, Brighton, I'll speak to my agent, I would like it if you made that happen. Or indeed, a player comes, does the, 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 the job and says, right, now my efforts go back to breaking into Brighton and, and getting into the Premier League. So people tend to forget the player in this. They only ever think about, all right, the two clubs have agreed a fee and a, a buy option, therefore it must happen. The player doesn't really need to get pushed out the door anyway, shape or form. So, yeah, ultimately, we needed somebody to uplift the quality in that place. We've got a really good player. He's looking to really deliver. So his parent club sees him. It's a, it's a win-win all round. The negotiations, if it comes to it at the back end, personally, I think he'd be priced out for us, right? The negotiations at the back end would take care of themselves. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to disagree with that. We've got plenty of comments coming in. Please um, continue to share your views, whether you agree, disagree, kind of in between with us. Share your views, and we'll try and bring as many onto the screen onto the screen as we can. Um, Jock, I'm going to ask you the same question, um, just around that option to buy side of things. Where do you sit on the? Is that a preference for you that we would have that option to buy if we're taking a player on one? I think. Tommy's pretty much covered everything, really, what I was going to say. Um, sorry, sorry, Rob, I've done you no favour there. No, not at all. Um, I, obviously, like I said, in an ideal world, you'd want the option to buy because the guy's obviously, he's, he's, as Tommy says, he's, bring, he's lifting the level up a bit. He's the sort of player you're going to expect to come in and hit the ground running. So that's the sort of player we want to have on a loan with an option to buy at the end. Um, that's not there, so... Maybe from Brighton's point of view, maybe they're hoping he does what Malik Tillman did, come in and you know have a great season and, and increase the interest in him coming into the last year of his contract. I think it's a year left after this loan, so um, it's only going to put us, we're putting them in the shop window. But if we can benefit from that as much as possible, whether it be trophies, whether it be you know league position, Champions League, whatever, you know that that's really what we're looking from from a loan like that. So he's a Premier League quality player. Instantly he's going to improve what we have and what's been out the door. So um disappointed the option's not there, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I have to agree. I think it's a really positive signing. And I think that whether whether it's um, because we, we need a stopgap effectively before we're able to spend the money we want to spend in that position for next mm-hmm. season, or whether it's um, actually Abdul Asima's such a high quality player that it was a it was a no-brainer to get him in the door either way i'm happy with him as a as a signing and uh, our very own andy anderson's in the comments and he says if we win the league with good euro nights he'll want to sign for his cause or not um, I, I, I imagine um that even if he does want to sign for us that a price tag from brighton of 15 million pounds upwards might be a 
might be a bit of a stumbling block, but we'll, we'll come to that next summer anyway. And uh, welcome along to Bruno's John, uh, who says, good to see you guys on tonight. The summer is boring without Rangers. It absolutely is. I think we're only two weeks away now from uh, from the first pre-season friendly. And uh, yes, absolutely roll on the team being back on the pitch at Ibrox. Moving on to the to the next point, and Jock, I'll stick with you for for the, the first question on this. Serial uh, Dessers deal looks to be close uh, to completion. There was a report, I believe, the week before last that said it looked as though it was dead in the water. Um, and many many people on on social media and social media is only a very small portion of Rangers fans, and it is important that we do we do remember that. And there's a, there's thousands and thousands of others who who are not on social media but it's, it's good to take a little bit of a barometer from from that um social media kind of jumped on the board a bit for that one and we're we're saying oh we're back to the to back to the the old days of a, a, an expensive player and we're not willing to stump up the cash for him and, and all that sort of stuff well it appears that we are indeed uh, willing to stump up the cash Fabrizio Romano reporting on Friday that a, um, a deal has been agreed between the two clubs for approximately four and a half million pounds um, and all the documents are being drafted, which suggests it will be completed early this week, if not um, by the middle of this week. Um, Jock, we, we knew we needed a striker, at least one striker, hopefully two strikers, but at least one striker heading into heading into this summer and one that, that knew how to find the back of the net. Cyril Dessers, um, Nigerian striker, he's played for... For clubs uh, like Feyenoord, like Genk, he's with Cremonese uh, just now in, in Italy. What are your thoughts on him as a as a signing? Yeah, it's, it's a to me it's a positive signing because he's got a range of of experience across multiple leagues, which is going to work in his favour. Um, he's got that European experience as well. Uh, again, without knowing too much about him, he, he was the first name that sort of came out at the start of. The transfer window really, so it's he looks to be sort of Rio's number one target for that position. So the board are, are going after him. Um, like you say, the, the social media aspect, whenever it did come out from questionable sources, that it was all off. There was folk quick to jump on and jump over the board, and oh, here we go again. This same sort of scenario, we're not willing to back, but like you say, looks as though we are, we've, we've, we've struck a deal. It's, Transfer negotiations, this is what happens. Two parties come to the table and work things out. Seem to have got there. Again, have to refer to YouTube to, to look at the guy from what you see. Looks strong, aggressive, likes to roll defenders, likes to hold the ball up, likes to run in behind the back line. Seems to do a hell of a lot more than what we've had up front in the past. Sort of you know, more dynamic. So, again, it's in our fresh face. I'm just... It's something that we've been crying out for. And again, this is Bill's buzzword is energetic, and this guy does look to be energetic. So this is, again, it can only be a positive. This is who Bill's picked as his man, and this is who he wants to lead the line, and we have to get behind it 100%. Yeah, I have to agree with that one. I'm, I think I, I think my position on it currently is I'm on the fence with it, but when I was doing some some research with the, uh, for the pod, um, tonight it was actually interesting looking into his background and how many games and goals he scored. Tommy, I'll come to you um, after this, but just some of the stats from his most recent clubs. He seems to have built his career in Belgium and Holland. Um, he started out in Nac Breda, 36 games, 22 goals. Went to Utrecht, 40 games, 12 goals. Then to Heracles, uh, 26 games, 15 goals. 
He was at Genk, 38 games, 10 goals. A season on one at Feyenoord, 27 uh, games, 9 goals, including being top goal scorer in the Conference League um, that season. And then most recently, Cremonese, who I believe were relegated from Serie A last year, 26 games, 6 goals. Tommy scored goals wherever he's wherever he's been. He's got a pretty good record, somewhere between one and two, one and three between all those clubs he's been at. Not all of them are clubs that play on the front foot every week. So um, there's quite a few in there who are towards the bottom of of the league that they play in or a sort of mid table side of things. What do you make of of the profile of his his signing, his career, and what do you make of the four and a half million pounds fee as well? And I think. Off the top of my head as well, I think in that conference league season for Feyenoord, it was it was ten and thirteen was his ratio. If I remember remember correctly from doing my doing my stats earlier on today. Yeah, listen, there's, there's no doubt that he's been he's been the key part of Michael Beale's, you know, um shop must for what I've It was never really a way. You know, all the Rangers aren't willing to go there and pay the money, etc. There was just negotiations behind the scene. This one's always been running. Um, Michael Beale was really insistent, or has been insistent, that this is the one that Rangers have looked to get over the line. It looks as though it's edging there. I think, you know, again, he's an international. Off the top of my head, again, I might be incorrect with this one, but what, four caps, one goal for Nigeria, something like that. Even though he was born in born in Belgium, um, he was chosen Nigerian citizenship to to play at the national level. He's twenty eight, so he's. He's at a good age, I suppose. You know, you could maybe debate what the sale on value would that be, you know, post 2930, etc. But you need a bit of experience up there as well. Actually, maybe people are missing he's played whilst he's played the majority of these games as a centre forward. He can actually play as the second striker if you like, and he can play left and right. He can actually play right across the forward line. And Michael Beale has spoken about since he came in the door, chaos up front creating chaos uh, when it comes to opposition players being able to switch in and out of positions, being able to migrate across to you know bamboozle defences and, and and make them stretch their lines. He's a player that plays into that. Actually I think Jock had nailed it as well, which is when you watch him, he is a he's a physicality striker as well. Uh, and we're all forward facing here, but one of the things really important that we didn't miss was you know with uh, Alfredo Morelos leaving Right, you can debate the merits or non-merits of Alfredo Morelos across the course of his career, etc. But the physicality that he could bring on his on his day would really pull defences apart. Dessa seems like he's got some of that in, in, in abundance as well. I like the fact that he's he's able to mix it up to drag pairs. Some of the the clips I've watched and some of the um, analysis uh, folk that I've spoken to in the background say that he's really really good up against two. He can actually really work it, and he's going to find that's a lot of what happens in Scotland, which allows the rest of the attacking players that Michael Boo was talking about and some of those midfield runners to get on before, uh, sorry, get on get on behind them. So, yeah, Michael Boo's put a lot of stock in them. The scouting and analysis teams have obviously backed that. The board have backed it. They've went in and have you know iterated the checkbook, so to speak. The player seems like he's you know by all accounts um, that he wants to to be here now. It's just about getting over the line. I would expect that one to be fairly soon, actually. Um, somewhere there's a scarf being being ironed, if that's what they actually if that's what they actually do. So, um, yeah, I, I would expect that's a that's one to be done over. And I think it looks like an exciting player. Actually, it can lead our line pretty well. Yeah, I think when I've seen the video, especially of the the goals from the Conference League uh, run that, that he had with, with Feyenoord when he did break 
or break that record. I say set that record since yeah. it was the first season that that the competition ran. I think the the type of goals he scored and the, his ability to capitalise on defensive mistakes, but also to create space in in the box was was really impressive. So hopefully that's those are some attributes he brings. He brings in just in the comments. We get Darren Knox saying Dessers is physically strong and works hard pressing opponents' defence. I think that's what we've seen in in that video. Um, yeah. Hugo Bear saying that the the forward line was top priority given how lacklustre we were last season. Absolutely, the forward line had to be top priority. Jock, I think that's where I expected. I think I've said in a few a few of the pods now um, towards the end of last season and then in, into into this sort of early preseason that. The forward line is where I expected the vast majority of money to be spent. Um, four and a half million pounds is probably about average for what I expected to be, um, to be on the front line. We'll come on to speak about potential further additions to that forward line shortly. But the um, the four and a half million pounds it's not it's not a, it's not a huge fee in today's football, but it's a, no. it's, a, it's, a it's a big fee for Rangers uh, and, and going by recent years. Is, do you expect him to be our starting striker based on that fee alone? Not necessarily based on the fee alone, but of for what he brings to the table, absolutely. Um, and with the, the the quality he's going to have around him and the service he's going to get, he's going to thrive. I think um, looking at reports and then digging around uh, our website analysis on Dessers, it's last season, last year he was in a team fight relegation, so it was it seemed to be a sort of you know, it was mentioned on here before. It's like long, long ball football, feeding off scraps, and you're, you know, you know what the Italian leagues like. It's you know quite defensive at the best of times, so it's you know he's always going to be up against up against it. Different now he's come to Scotland. Yes, he'll be up against that at Ibrox and the, the usual back flat five low block that they're going to come against but he's going to have more creativity there's going to be more control of the ball there's going to have more possession and the way he can manipulate defenders especially role defenders will be key to making gaps and spaces for other players and their team to exploit um so not necessarily worried about the four and a half million pound fee it's it's the sort of table we're sort of dining at now um and it's good to see that we're back there. If, if we can go and spend, if we can start bringing in players like that and turn them over for profit, or bring the younger players and turn them over for profit, we can start expanding that. And that, that's the goal. That's really where we need to sort of be heading if we want to, to keep pushing forward. Absolutely. We knew there needed to be a rebuild this summer. It was made very clear, even from the point Michael Beale came in in December, I think it was, and it was clear that we needed a rebuild of the squad this summer. There was, I guess it was still that, overhang from the uh, 55 season there were so many players in the squad there's still so many players in the squad yeah. uh, from that from that era that, that need to be um shipped out i think a few i think i would expect a, a few to be and we'll come on to talk about that in a bit but it's good to see this freshness coming in it's good to see um a bit more physicality coming into the team as well we're i think we're a bit of a soft touch sometimes when um and in, in the spfl that's not what's required especially when you've got those tough those tough away games as well, where you're up against a a, um, a team that's sitting with two banks of five, and they're not they're not up for moving at all. And we can't forget the fact that we we send so many crosses into the box, and we're sending so many crosses into the box to absolutely nobody. So that some of that physical physicality and that height as well will be um, will be really positive. I think the four and a half million pound fee is hopefully with the 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 sort of level of fee that we will continue 
to, to play at as we go forward. Um, probably just before Dessers, or the I guess the confirmation that Dessers was almost on his way came through. There were reports from Holland, I believe, saying that Rangers were uh, had made an official formal bid to Feyenoord for Danilo, 24-year-old Brazilian forward. Um, it was said that the clubs were somewhere apart on the valuation. Since the Dessers stuff has been um, clarified, a lot of fans felt that, uh, well, that must be the Danilo stuff um, put to bed, so to speak. Reports have come out since then to say, no, no, Rangers are still in the hunt for Danilo and those negotiations are still ongoing. To me, that's a, that's a real positive to, to hear that we've... We've got we've got a we've got a, a striker at a decent fee, but we're going for another one of the, of similar level, different style of striker. Um, is that is that something that that you expected, or is it is it surprised you a little that we're potentially looking at nine to ten million pounds on on two strikers? Not surprised me in the slightest. Uh, actually, I think you've referenced there that Michael Beale was talking about it. Actually, you know, Stuart Gibson, when we sat down with him, the investor, and interviewed him, spoke about. Rangers having to spend quite a bit of money this summer and it wouldn't be one or two million pound players. It would be, you know, bigger. We've seen transformation at the boardroom, transformation across the club and an uplift of this squad. So there absolutely had to be money spent. I think we've been quite canny with some of the, you know, some of the players that were brought in already for some of the fees that we've been able to negotiate, notwithstanding people like Keenan Dowell, Keenan Dowell, et cetera, and all that on fees as well. Um, so yeah, money has to be spent, and we know that we had an over reliance on essentially one player really um, up front, and then we've we've ripped that model up and we've invested heavily. So you've got Lammers, Dessas, Sima, looking at you know something else there in terms of Danilo or, or someone else. The, the club are keeping their options open and they're willing to spend money if players can become available at the right price. I mean, these are not controversial statements. So to speak, every every player is a price, and Rangers have some good targets in there. I, I think if they could get Danilo as well, I think everybody would be fairly happy with with that. With also the likes of um, uh, Lawrence, etc., to come back and Haji, uh, you know, unless he decides that Aberdeen are a bigger club, um, you know, because somebody's bopped him on the head or something like that, and he wants to join Hallucination FC, then. I think we're, you know we're going to see the best of him as well coming back after such a, a long injury layoff. I really can't walk past that Aberdeen, <laughs> Haji Aberdeen rumor. By the way, I yeah, don't know. We'll come to that. We'll come to that. You all get your chance to have a say on that right. one. Okay, that's my second. That's my second. Special <laughs> yellow card from the pod there to not jump ahead of the agenda. But listen, yeah, Rangers are active in a lot of conversations at the moment. Some of them uh, instigated by the club. Some of them instigated by other clubs and agents, etc. Players want to come to. To Rangers, that shouldn't be forgotten about. But yeah, it's not surprising me that Rangers have money to spend. That was known, and the strategy's been in place, you know, for a while. And they knew they just had to make sure they got the right man in the dugout. Then they had to move out some players. That was some big decisions to let people like Kent and Morelos, etc., go. I think I said this in our end of season pod. That then allows Michael Beale not just to bring in players at a different caliber but also to change the way that we intend to play, which talks about your winging in balls, nobody there, etc. I think there'll be much more to Rangers game this coming season when you start to look at the players and the abilities and skill sets that they all bring. This will not be an identical Rangers where the ball goes out wide and just gets thrown in. I think we're, we're going to be looking at something tactically different. 
Yeah, I really do hope so. And I was encouraged by how we were playing towards the end of last season post-split. It was a bit different to, to what we'd seen beforehand. And it seemed like it seemed like the team had basically had, to, I think to use a geo-phrase, had the handbrake taken off. It might not be a geo-phrase, um, but I think it is. Um, to have the handbrake taken off and to be a bit more creative. And Todd Cantwell was absolutely central to that towards the end of the season as well. Jock, um, I was going to say Dessers, Danilo was um, described by an Eredivisie expert in Rangers Review earlier today as an amazing, instinctive finisher. Um, whenever I hear that, the two names that jump to mind for me are Ali McCoyst and Chris Boyd. Um, if, we're, if we're in the market for that that style of striker, which sounds very different to the, the how Dessers is as a player, is that something that encourages you that we'll have, I guess, different styles of strikers that we can that we can call upon to um depending on the situation in the game. Absolutely. He's Brazilian for a start. What more can you ask for? What more can you ask for? He's Brazilian. A Brazilian at Ibrox, it's you know, it's, it's not often that happens. So um I'm, I'm buzzing. I'm, I'm generally hope we get him um just for the fact that he's Brazilian. <laughs> um but looking at who's, who's again, the last Brazilian to have played in who's the last Brazilian to have played in Glasgow? It's for, four, for, it's four was it four? Was it? I, I'm not entirely sure. I can tell you off the top of my head. That's one for the comments. If anyone can tell us who the most recent Brazilians to play for Rangers were, um, we'll give you a shout out on the pod, and, and you, you'll be the the master of the the Brazilian players for the rest of the season. Sorry. There you go. Sorry, Jock. I've interrupted you there, buddy. No, you're fine. Um, so I, again, had to go to YouTube again to see what the see what the guy's about, but if the first clip I see is him one putting in at the top corner for 30 yards, I was like, that'll do me because nobody, nobody in our squad seems to be able to do that and hasn't been able to do that for about maybe 10, 15 years. So to see somebody shooting for 25, 30 yards is refreshing uh, as a Rangers fan. So uh, again, what the, the Rangers review uh, article said about an instinctive finisher, yes, definitely that was that was one thing I noticed. You know, he could use his head, he was using both feet, uh, and step outside the boot, he, he's he can pick something at his backside. Is what was what a phrase I like to use whenever somebody's in the box and they, they're not really sure what they're going to do. And next thing, you know, the ball's in the net. So, um, I again, if we get it over the line, I'd be, I'd be interested to see how he could try to tear up Scottish football because I think he'd be the sort of guy that could do it. No bother, yeah, absolutely. Just on the um. On the chat, who the recent most recent Brazilian was, I know you you both saw that it was Emerson. Uh, was it Emerson Barry, Sorry, uh, Dean Milne was first on that one. So there you go, a shout out for you, uh, Dean. Uh, and we can't walk past uh, View Park Royals yeah, yeah. memory here of Marvin Andrusinho, um, who who we all remember very fondly. Still better than Raphael Shite. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Even I might be, so um, it doesn't say very much, Tommy, to be fair. so Well, I was going to say, it sounded like Jock was describing me there at the, at the football when he says, ball's in the box, you don't know what he's going to do, and then it's in the back of the net. Unfortunately, I generally play in defence, so <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe why I don't get as many games as I used to. Yeah, absolutely, and um, I've not seen you play football yet, Tommy, so um, I'll, I'll go by whatever you say on that one. Um, in that case, yeah, Tommy Dino. <laughs> Tommy Dino. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you that one for now. I'm sure um, someone out there will have seen you play football. Anyway, it's, not, um, yeah, it's definitely not good. <laughs> not, not good. 
Ranger, there were reports from Rangers said that um, during the week said that they were looking at four additions currently to the squad, and then obviously, as some players go out, there'll be some that we expect to leave, and there'll probably be some that we we don't expect to leave as well that that may be on their way out the door. So four additions, and then some sort of one in one out kind of scenario. I think will be will be the case. Tommy, I, I'd assume going by how the transfer rumours have been so far that um, a left-sided centre-half is probably where the fourth the fourth player will be. Um, obviously, Sifuentes uh, is largely expected to be on his way to Ibrox this week as well. So the fourth one, I guess, you'd be looking at. We've seen some names um, thrown around in terms of uh, Trusty and uh, Panzo as well was another one, um, left centre-half. Is that where you'd expect that that fourth player to be? I, I do, as a matter of fact, Jay. I, I I think it will be, it'll be a defender that comes in. Um, I think we are pretty salty. It's maybe not the right word, but I think we've invested or looking to invest with some of the names we've spoken about here up top, and then we've got as I've already referenced Haji and Lawrence, etc., to come in. I think midfield. You could make an argument even with Sifuentes. We are maybe. And I've obviously been practicing that 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 nice ending to that Cifuentes there. Um, you could argue we're maybe another midfielder light, depending on who goes out the door as well. Um, but I think I, I think yeah, Rangers will spend the money on another defender in there, um, and then that gives us a little bit of a a question mark in terms of who we want to move out because you're trying to keep the squad relatively balanced and make sure there's some. Well, need to be competition for jerseys. Uh, brought in a lot of what Michael Beale should be looking at as starters, right? What your those names that we've listed and the players come in should be, you know, starting next season. We should see what that team looks like with Cantwell and Raskin uh, as well. So yeah, that's what I, I expect it to be. It's just now about who we can move out, and that's all, not always easy. Sometimes that's harder than bringing in, obviously, because you've got to find buyers. Rangers aren't really wanting to do business in terms of letting players go. That would be a last resort. Um, so it's trying to move players out at a reasonable, either a reasonable fee or indeed at a lower fee, but with a sell-on clause. And the likes of Rabi Matondos and stuff like that fall into that particular um, bucket as well. Although I, I, I actually need to come out and say that I am a Matondo fan. I think there's a player in there somewhere. Uh, I don't think there's many people that would agree with me, but please, if you do, say something in the comments. I don't like being, a, I don't like being alone. Right? So, um, but you're looking at Kamara, Barisic, etc. There's, there's wages to be freed up in this squad, and some of that comes back to balancing the books anyway. But yeah, that's a really lengthy answer to what should have been a short one, which is, yes, left-sided centre-back to help. Although, I, I have to admit, and I know Davies got a lot of criticism, um, I don't think he's a bad player. Yeah, I think if he was still in a Rangers jersey, I wouldn't be that particularly worried if he's in, the, in a mute squad uh, with Goldson and Sterling and um, uh, Suter. But yeah, there we are. That's where I think we'll go. Yeah, I'd, I'll put my hand up. I'm with you in terms of I think there's a player in there for Rabi Matondo. Um, he's 22. I just don't think we've got the we're in the space or we have the the ability to wait for him to find his form or find his game. I think we need someone who's contributing now, and that is that's unfortunately for Rabi Matondo just not um, just not not the right time for him. Ofer Hill says that you are in fact alone, Tommy. I've just um, I guess I've just proven proven him wrong. <laughs> Primetime says just about switched off with that Matondo comment. 
Um, well, fair, fair enough, fair enough, prime time. Well done for sticking the course, by the way. Um, and at least, yeah, at least, at least Del Boy's backing me up. Yeah, Del Boy's backing you up. I agree. Uh, we Abbey needs one more chance this season. And Chris McFarlane's not for it at all. He's, he says Matondo has done nothing to give us hope. Remember that game against St Johnston in the middle of last season. That's the that's the one thing we can hang on to. Perhaps the Tottenham This is thing. what you get. This is what you get, Chris, for saying Tommy sit closer to your microphone. The danger is you actually get to hear what I'm about to say. So that, that's totally on yourself, Chris. <laughs> and uh, Alan Brown coming in with a bit of um, which is hopefully some good news. Just saying rumours tonight saying Panzo deal is done. Um, so that would fill that sort of left centre half. Um, role that we were just talking about there. Tommy, your comment kind of takes us nicely on to looking at the outgoings. Obviously, with so many incomings, there has to be outgoings to, to balance the squad harmony, to, to balance the wage budget. Um, still keep that quality in depth, um, but also could bring some money back into the club. And that's something that we've got, we've been a little bit better at in recent seasons with the likes of Patterson, Bassi, Aribo, etc. But I still think we've, we've got some way to go to to be good at, even when players are well out the picture with us, still bring in £2 million, £3 million for them when we sell them on. We do need to be a bit better at that level because that amount of money does actually build up and can, can really um, can really give us a, a positive in the transfer committee. So I'll, just go, I'll go over some of the players that I guess are widely expected to leave, we spoke about Rabbi Matondo. He's um, reported to being told he can find another club. Um, Scott Wright was close to a move to Preston, I believe, earlier this month. I think Preston are struggling money-wise, so they've pulled out of that deal. But it shows there's, there's interest at that sort of championship level for Scott Wright. Uh, ben Davies is another one, especially since we've been looking at the left centre half position. Ben Davies is another one that's. Um, expected to to make his way out the door. Again, I'm with you on that one, Tommy. If he was around next season, I'd be more than happy about that. Glenn Kamara, we all know he reached the end of his Ranger cycle probably last summer, never mind this summer. So I think he'll be on his way out the door. Um, Jock, I think we're, the squad's sitting at over 30 players currently, and that's that's far too, far too big. And quite a lot of them are on quite hefty wage wage packets as well on that one. Um, I just realised I've forgotten to even mention the Hadji to Aberdeen rumour. I can't believe after all the chat earlier on that, that I forgot to mention that one. There's plenty of players in there that we can see going out the door. I guess part of the, the discussion is that there needs to be someone there who wants them first before we can actually get rid of them or sell them for a, a certain fee. Are you confident we'll be able to get enough players out the door and, and who do you think those players will be that, that we'll likely see leaving Ibrooks this summer? I think, I mean, definitely I think we'll, we'll see outgoings um, and like, like like you said earlier it's it's about getting that that the money in for them because it adds to the transfer kitty I think it's something that Rangers have not utilised well enough over the past couple of seasons that smaller fees, you know the 1 millions, the 2 millions you know, it's always, always, it's always undisclosed. It's always undisclosed, so we can't really sort of count up what you know. Either the hit we're taking on players are brought in and then have come out the door in the last couple of seasons. Um, so it's we want to see, we want to see those numbers, you know, published. Um, 
in terms of outgoings, then who do you think is going? Definitely Scott Wright. I think has to. I think for his own sake, has to go and start, look for regular football. Um, like you say, championship level team come in, pulled out financial reasons. So we hope somebody else will maybe come in and take a look at him because it's just, it's just never it's never worked for the guy. You know, he always seen flashes, and especially when they won the Scottish Cup last season. At the end of the season, he was he was that was most probably the most consistent we've seen him. Just didn't just didn't hit the ground running the start of the next season. Um, there was chat of maybe Barisic going. Barisic, I think, I don't know. There's also chat of Barisic getting a contract extension. So Barisic is still a Croatian international. That's that's value. So if if we are looking to get rid of that, it's, you know, we're looking to cash in on that. Again, he does sit on the bench an awful lot for them. I don't think I've seen him very much in a Croatian jersey. Here, he's, still, he's still in the squad. You still tick that international box, don't you? <laughs> um, You'll bump salesman, by the way, Jordan. You might buy a car off you. I get your point, but that would maybe be the optimal time, though. Jock, I, get, I actually do uh, get your point. Maybe this is the optimal time to cash in. It's the last yeah. chance to cash in on Barisic being a Croatian international. He was at the World Cup as well. Aye. So, he's now he's now folding down the way. Yeah, um, yeah. Back to yourself, Jock. Back to yourself. Um, again, there's Trulak. There's a lot of, lot of rumours of Trulak going out the door as well. There's an influx of players that are coming in up front. You know, we still have Roof as well. Whether anybody takes a look at Roof with his injury record, again, it's 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 kind of up in the air. I, I kind of I still think. I'd take Roof over Cholak because I think he's a more intelligent striker. He brings more to the table. Um, like Sakala as well. Hadji again, Hadji Aberdeen, wherever that came from, I don't know. Um, but if they're willing to pay three million pounds for him, I'd, I'd drive him up to Aberdeen myself. Right, um, fair, if, it's, if it's Aberdeen, we're adding about three million pound extra onto it. They do it to us, so might as well do it back uh, to them. Yeah, um, I think can't play against us. Yeah, I think Aberdeen's chairman was probably just after his autograph. Or his dad's. That's the only signature that they, they're liable to get. Um, certainly, I think if those rumours have come out of Aberdeen's social media fandom or whatever, they should double-check some of those pipelines up there because there's been a chemical spill um, because that is just absolutely off the charts crazy. Yeah, I think if he's going to end up anywhere, it's going to be Galatasaray, isn't it? He's, he's destined for Galatasaray at some point in his career, and every every transfer window they're rumoured to be to be in for him. I'd like to see him stay and, and have another season with us and see how he gets on. But I think Hadji is one of the names that will be will be interesting to watch because I did, I did mention we'll see plenty of players that we expect to go out the door, leaving the club, but there may be one or two that we don't necessarily expect, and Hadji might fit into fit into that category. Uh, Tommy, Dean Milne comes in and he says, Rangers need to be brutal with the exodus of players. Barisic, Davies, McLaughlin, Kamara need to go, in my opinion. Do you think we do need to be harsh or selfish, depending on what way you look at it, I guess, in terms of um, players who maybe don't want to leave, but... But we just what we just need them out the door. Do you reckon we need to be a bit, a bit more um, streetwise? I guess might be the might be the best way to describe it in terms of how we get players out the out the door and start trimming that squad. Yeah, well, Michael Beale's been very clear about this since he came in, but he, and then in his recent interview as well, where he spoke about having a a trimmer squad. You, you can't run with squad at thirty. Right, we we don't need that. We don't we don't want that because then you've got all the problems of keeping everybody happy, and we've got some jersey pads uh, you know they are the guys that just aren't going to do the job for us so yeah i mean whatever 
whatever word you want to use, you know, being harsh, being brutal, you know, being selective, being streetwise, whatever. Ultimately, it's just commercialization. You know, we need to sell players because we need them out the door. You just go and get the best deal for them. Ultimately, Rangers should always be looking, and we've got a recent example of this, of pressing the button at the right time right, and getting maximum value. Yes, we made some decisions at a boardroom level with the likes of um, Alfredo Morelos and Ryan Kent to say, uh, and even Barisic actually, we're not, and, and Kamara, we're not going to press the button when we could have sold them at probably their optimal peak commercial level and then they end up leaving for nothing. That's that's up to the board. They get to make that decision in you know, conjunction with the manager who's aiming for certain targets. Where Rangers need to get better and where we need to see more of is selling players at the right time. At any level, at any number, it's just a case of saying, right, you're not going to do it here. Let's get the best deal for you out the door. Oh, I want to stay. Yeah, but the club doesn't want you. You need to go. And ultimately, every club has to act for that. So I don't think there's anything new there. What Rangers just need to maybe be more overt about is selling players at the right peak time to get maximum market value, which by and large, I know somebody will say probably Bassey to me, right? But that's probably the only example that we have. Maybe Parson, but by and large, it's been a it's been a missed opportunity after missed opportunity after missed opportunity. So yeah, what the players want by and large doesn't matter. Yeah. Clubs make decisions; they sell you. It's that simple. That's where we are. Yeah, Jock. There's a couple of comments coming in asking what kind of fees would we expect for these kind of players. It's hard when there's so many players that are going to be. Are we expect to be heading out the door? It's hard to put um, fees on on players on players heads i guess i guess uh, i think glenn kamara and ben davies potentially borna barisic and sakala in there as well are probably the four that are most likely to earn as the the largest fees out of them all is, is would you agree with that yeah well those it's you're looking at players who have longevity on their contract they're going to demand the biggest fees we're in a situation now where a couple of those players you've listed are in the last year of their contract, so they've got a year left. So the clubs that are going to want to negotiate are going to obviously want to pay as little as possible. So uh, there's going to be to and fro in there. Um, but like a Taji and Kamara, international players, um, not really been doing it. Obviously, Taji's injury, that's, you can give him a buy there. But in terms of Kamara, Kamara's been a ghost. Uh, for a year and a half so the clubs aren't going to come in and pay big money for somebody that's not really kicked the ball for us so you're going to have to take some in today we got come out about 50 grand so what's a fair upmark of that you take a million a million you know look at the percentage in profit you've made from 50 grand it's crazy would you be happy with a million pounds some people be happy some people be happy enough because he's gone he's out the door that money goes towards somebody new or people think that's a ridiculous amount of money you know you can't keep everybody happy the important thing is that they get a fair value the club are happy the player's happy he's getting moved on and we can reinvest the money as simple as that yeah I think- just, just on that sorry just just on that as well because uh, and whilst i think jock's right it's all about what somebody will pay for a player as it is with anything in the world you know something is a value of what somebody's going to pay for it right it doesn't always have to be the top line figure that you hear, right? That's why there's sell-on clauses, there's add-ons, etc. It's about maximising what you can get in the moment and what you could potentially get in the future as well. Again, maybe in a kind of reverse order, a good example was the was the Tillman deal with Bayern. Now, there was maybe always a thought that they might back out of that deal, 
So you put in a protection clause, a control there to say, right, but we still get something out of it. So we got that player. He did a job for us. He didn't want to come. Bayern wanted to go somewhere else to sell him you know, for a different fee. We still get money. You just play that the different way, which is we can sell you at a lower level, hoping that you will then accelerate through your potential, get a bigger deal, and we get a kickback from it. Sometimes it's not just about in the moment. You need to think about two or three steps further down the chain. Yeah, I completely agree in terms of um, it was hard to disagree with the, the statement of a player's only worth what another club's willing to pay for him. I did kind of bulk a wee bit, though, when you said a million pounds for Kamara there, Jock. I do feel like that's low-balling it massively, um, even though he's not really turned up for us the last the last year. Um, the I'm delighted that, with that. That's pushed me right off of the Batondo comments. <laughs> Everybody get, get Jock. Get him. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, given that it was, I think it was between six and eight million. I think Nice um, bid for him last summer. I don't think, albeit he's not had a great season. I don't think his value has dropped from that level to one million pounds. Um, so hopefully it'll be. I think if we got around the sort of four million pounds mark for him, that would be a a good deal for us. Albeit I don't think it's what his potential should be worth um, because I think Glenn Kabar is a cracking player. He's just came to the end of his cycle with Rangers um, and, and it seemed very very strange that it happened when his two mates left in Bassey and Aribo. Um so it may just be a, a comfort thing with that as well. But it'll be interesting to see what kind of figures we get for these players. As Jock said, there's it's always the undisclosed so you're never quite sure exactly how much. We often have to wait till the accounts come out um, on that one. But be interesting to see as we go forward on that one. Tommy, I think it's we've spoken about there's already four players in the door. We've spoken about another four that are potentially coming in. I think it's fair to say that Michael Hughes been been backed and continues to be backed by the board uh, this summer. Um, what that does, though, is it changes the dynamic in terms of the pressure then going on to Michael Beale as we head into the Champions League qualifiers, as we head into the new season. Um, do you think it's do you think it's right that that pressure's now on Michael Beale? And do you think he's he he does seem like the kind of guy who's willing to take that pressure on and stand up with it on his shoulders and push the team forward? I'll I'll put the word pressure to one side. Um, expectation. Now Michael Beale's been at the club before, part of a title-winning management team. He knows the level of expectation at Rangers, and he knew that before he came back in to take the big the big chair behind the big desk or whatever you want to say to get in the dugout he's then been as you say quite clearly backed backed towards the tail end of last season with Raskin and Cantwell and then you know backed again this summer so absolutely there's a level of expectation you know that's you don't take the job unless you can live with that we, we know what this environment's like should that level of expectation is the level of expectation that you should, we should be fighting for a title in cups domestically next season realistic yeah i think given the level of business that we've done and that we're looking to conclude before the the end of the window i think it absolutely is i think it's not unrealistic to expect rangers to be in and around um fighting for the title looking to win cups etc now obviously our rivals might spend significantly more money you know they, they've got their own budgets and they've got their own you know or trading model or whatever you want to call it but we can only look to ourselves and i think michael beale by and large has got exactly what he's asked for and will get what he's asked for and so therefore it's just a case of coming back through that 
Yeah, I think yeah. what you said there, Tommy, really, I guess, uh, rings true in terms of Rangers fans always do look at what Rangers could have done better or, or how we, what we could do more or how we could change. I'm going to ask this question. I'll ask it to Jock first and then come back to you, Tommy. Um, and this, this, is, this is a harsh question to ask, um, especially at this, uh, this stage. Do you think it's fair... And I know as Rangers fans, we have the highest of expectations and we believe every every competition that we enter, we should be winning and the, the big silver trophy should be waved in front of us by the end of the competition. But do you think, and I'll come to you on this first job, do you think given the financial disparity that there is between ourselves and the other side of the city currently, and we know there's a, a, a big rumoured transfer uh, coming down the line for them as well and a big transfer fee, you think it's fair that we have those expectations that we are going to win every single trophy next season and we're going to win in the league is the is the I guess the be all and end all for that? I think it's a tough question that actually. Expectation is every Rangers fans say experience, but uh, birthright. It's just what we expect. It's what we're growing up with. And I know some of the younger fans all have went through the, the, you know, been down the lower leagues and obviously not experienced that. But for me personally, going through the nine in a row and uh, and through the noughties and that, you are expected to, to, if not win, challenge, show yourself, be at the table at the end of the season, be around in the roundabout, be in cup finals and since we've come back up the divisions will it's taken a wee while to sort of get into those cup finals. We're starting to get there and obviously we won fifty-five. We should be there more. We as a football club uh, are have always been chasing Celtic since we went down in divisions in terms of the revenue and cash streams and, and their player trading model because we were were those years behind. When we went down they were selling boys for 10, 12 million plus down to the Premier League, they got that up and running. That most higher transfer fees coming in, so they're always going to be ahead, and it's going to take us time to catch up with them in that sense. But we've we've shown we can compete with the right management, the right players, and we have been able to compete with that. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be expecting. If we trust the play, we trust the board and trust the manager to bring in the right players. We can put a team on the part that can win the league and can challenge Celtic. So the expectations isn't unfair. It's just what we're used to as as being part of this football club. Simple as that. Tommy, I'm going to ask you um, the same question there. Do you think it's fair that, that those expectations are there? I, I believe the, expect, the expectations will always be there. And I believe uh, it's right that we have those expectations given the the history of the club and the, the stature of the club as well. But do you think in the current situation as we head into the new season that our expectation that to go from a, a, a team that, that didn't win any trophies last season to going to a, a to being a team that will win the league or with a lesser budget and with a significantly lesser financial um financial capabilities in terms of the transfer market, do you think that's fair heading into the new season? Yeah, that's. I mean, I can, I can give you a much longer answer if you really, really want. But absolutely, go for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Listen, money and budgets are, are really important. 
Of course they are, right? And I won't do the cliche of saying, especially in the modern game, because budgets have always been important, right, since you could buy and sell players. Tactical awareness, building a really good, strong team ethic and culture, smart recruitment in the free market as well is really important. That's how you iterate a team and that's how you can accelerate and leapfrog through. It's not always about saying, right, we're going to do a... I mean, nobody in Scotland's ever going to do a Galacticos model. So it is all about getting players in, bedding them in really quickly. One of the good things Rangers have done is early recruitment, both last season, last and Cantwell, who are going to be key players. And then within this, then it's about getting them to buy into a philosophy. Then it's about putting them out on the park with a really clear game plan and being able to say, right, these guys will all play for each other and they'll play for the, the manager and they can bear the weight of the expectation that we've just spoken about. Now, there's no guarantees Right, some of those players might fall over, they might not cut it. Right, you might have to chop, you might have to change. Some players can just run into really unfortunate things like bad injuries or whatever. Right, luck in some games just doesn't go your way. But everything that Michael Beale has done since he came in the club size and stature, the player recruitment, the players we already had on the books because they're, they're not all bad players, right? And the fact that we were actually in and around things last season as well. You know, we didn't we didn't finish sixth or seventh year, right? And we were you know, in cup finals and stuff like that as well. So I don't I, I wouldn't buy anything else other than the expectations absolutely realistic. It's in alignment with the model and where we currently are. It's not based on purely some historical notion that we won stuff in the past. It's a case of we can win now. And if that's not the message that Michael Beale is transmitting into the support and particularly into the players that he's bringing into the club and into that dressing room, that's a wider problem. I sense it's exactly the message that he's pouring into those players. And I expect to see them go toe-to-toe with all comers next season. So, yeah, I re- go back to my original answer. Hi. Yeah, I Thank think you. I absolutely agree in terms of that being the message that Michael Beale will be we'll be sending to um the players especially the new ones that are that are coming in i think potentially some some of the players especially last season i felt it and slightly the year before some of the players that have been here for a longer period of time are a bit battle scarred um with uh against the, those the other side of the city whereas having this massive squad revamp plenty of new players coming in we saw the likes of Cantwell and Raskin show up in, in those games last season, um, picked up last season, particularly the final one. At Ibrooks felt really, um, it was really positive uh, from that perspective. And you, there was that change in mentality. There was that um, there was that po- that positivity around it and the, the belief, I think, that we can go in and win every game, no matter who who the opponent is. And you could see that from um, how Michael Beale was setting us up. And I really like how Michael Beale he has his way that he wants to he has his way that he wants to play and i guess under geo last season people were saying we don't know what geo's style is we it was changing so much that the, the players in the start lineup was changing so much i think bill is very easy to see what his style is and how it's developed off the back of how how we played under under steven gerrard in 55 but i think what we'll see next season uh particularly come to the fore is um the tactical side of Michael Beale and how he can adapt the team to to almost pry on the weaknesses of of our opposition or where they, where he perceives those to be and I, that's why I think 
in terms of breaking down the low block, that's always a concern um, for Rangers. Uh, it's been a, it's been an issue and and more than a handful of games in recent recent years. But it seemed that it seems going by the last six months of the season last year that Michael Beale knows exactly how to do that. He knows exactly how to adjust the team uh, as as we as we go through the season. So fingers crossed with with the new players coming in with the with the hope. With what we hope is a, a build on the quality that we've got on the pitch, particularly at the top end of the park, we will see um, much more from that side of things, and we will see much more positivity. And um, fingers crossed, we'll be have a, a big silver trophy next May waved in front of us at Ibrox on on the final day of the season. Um, final point: we've ju- just hit the exactly the hour mark of the of the show. So, final point uh, before we start to to wrap up is around the fixture announcement which was made on Friday um, much anticipated as always and I think it's fair to say that it's not a random uh, fixture computer generator that creates the fixtures um, for all that that seems to be a trope that's that's um, laid out every single year by fans across the across the board it's fair to say it's not a, um, a random fixture generator and actually the SPFL put out a video this year on their on their social media channels to highlight all the different considerations that go into um, that go into creating the fixture list, which was which was a really good watch. And for once, I'll give the the SPFL a bit of credit for for their content because that was really interesting and insightful. So I'd recommend going to watch that. Um, Jock, I'll come to you first. The open run of fixtures, I think, is pretty favourable. The only the only piece that I, that wasn't um, that I don't think is highlighted is the fact that the old firm game, uh, the first old firm game, at Ibrox on the third of September, is the weekend after the second leg of the Champions League qualifiers playoff round. Um, so that's potentially a, a bit of a tough one for us. But overall, I was happy with with our run of fixtures. I believe December is probably the only one that uh, the only month that seemed particularly. Difficult. Uh, we're away to Hearts, Hibs, Motherwell, and Celtic, all in that one, that one month. Um, what was your view of the of the fixture list and, and how it landed? Anytime it comes out, I always try to look for the first, the first, the first home, you know, the first, the first match. Obviously, usually away, and then uh, either the the December list or the the February list. We always get usually traditionally get a, a tight run of games, and again we got that. Uh, we got that in, in December. Um, there's opening three games: uh, Kelly, Kelly away, Levy home, and then Ross County away. Nine points. Get get nine points on the board. Get get set the marker down early. Um, first again, first old firm games after the second leg Champions League qualifier. That'll be us our season going on there. It'll be you know you'll be third Wednesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday. It's going to be like that for up until the break anyway. So it's good to get that pattern in because I think that when we play those games like that, I think we play better in the league because we're everybody's pulling towards the same way. You know, it's a team effort, score effort with the rotation. Everybody knows they're going to get a game. So it's to me it's it's I think we'll be fine. I do I think we'll be fine. Yeah, Tommy, the one that's the one that stuck out for me initially from the uh, fixture list, and it's always the old firm games that you look at. We look at first of all, but these days they kind of tend to fall around the same the same weekends each season. But that uh, old firm game at Ibrooks on the third of September is going to be huge, I think, in terms of setting the tone 
for the season. How important can a win in that first Old Firm game be for Rangers? We always hear that the games aren't. It's not the Old Firm games that decide the title. It's the it's the other 30, 34 games in the season that do. But how important from a um, a mentality standpoint uh, can can a win in that that game be for us? Yeah, before that, I'm looking forward to the first first um, game of the season, and you know players wandering out onto the pitch at Kilmarnock and going, all right, this is the training pitch, where's the real grass? Um, This is is funny looking. Um, It's dire that that's returned uh, to the the top tier of Scottish football, to be honest with you, but that is where where we are. Yeah, listen, it's a cliche of saying, right, all firm games are really important, Um, but I think with all the changes, Rangers squads in and out, Celtic making changes, changing their manager as well, so that might mandate a change in their style of play, it really is a who's going to get off to the fastest start. So, yeah, you can talk about the old firm game is really important. Winning every game up to that old firm game is also really important. You need to, you know, bank those points. But, yeah, I think this one is particularly important for all those reasons I've just fleshed out there, which is putting down that marker, making it to Ibrooks on a trot as well, coming off the back of last season. The new players being part of a winning mentality straight away in an old firm game and then pressing the accelerator through that so you know there'll be peaks and troughs and all that type of stuff and anything can happen but absolutely i think it's a key key game to put down a right we have up the ante here and the level of quality and dynamism and work rate and effort and understanding and belief has absolutely been brought from the tail end of last season as, as we as we dominated celtic ibrox into this one to say right now we're in a position that those big games that we didn't win, we we thoroughly believe that we can, and we're going to show that. So yeah, uh, a huge a huge game. Yeah, Jock. I had a um, I had a conversation with our very own Scott Cameron earlier on today, and he was speaking about he was doing these um, his Mystic Meg act, I guess, in terms of looking forward to the fixtures and saying, "Oh, we should win that one. We should win that one. We should win that one." He actually said to me, um, "Is it realistic?" to expect 30 points from the first 10 games um, for Rangers and to, to set them, he used the word marker as well, that Tommy's, um, that Tommy's used there about the old firm game. Uh, looking at them, get Kelly away, Lovey at home, Ross County away, Celtic home, St Johnston away, Motherwell home, Aberdeen home, St Mirren away, Hibs at home, Hearts at home on those 10 games. Now, I, it's, I think it's unrealistic to set off with the with the um expectation i guess of us to be, have 30 points come the first 10 games of the season but looking at that fixture list it's there for us um to have a go at and the old firm game will be the key game and that one are you i think the fixture list has been has been kind to us um i know it, it, it's um it kind of goes and swings and roundabouts in terms of when you're at home to the majority of the top six teams and when you're away to the majority of the top six teams but i think Having a lot of them at home in that first round of fixtures can be a real can be a real benefit to us and a springboard for the rest of the season. Oh, absolutely! Um, like you say, it's there's a lot of home games in there, and there's no reason why you couldn't hit thirty points. Um, it'd be tremendous if we did, um, and those are the sort of runs that we, as a football club, need to go on because um, that's what builds wins your trophies so guarantees your leagues if you can go in there 30 points first 10 games you're 
going strong. You're building the confidence. Everybody, you know, everybody's chipping in with goals. I, I don't see why not. We've done it in the past. We have done it in the past. It's been a while, but we've done it. Um, especially on the Jared, the fifty-five season, we flew through the first, and we sure we went through that went that record where we didn't concede uh, any goals. So it can't be done. There's no reason to say why it can't be done. But a big onus on these new guys coming in and hitting the ground running. Um, they're definitely. Have the talent, the depth, have the, the caliber of player. What we're looking for to do that, it's up to Beal now. It's up to the the team that's there already to to gel with these these new guys, uh, and and the sky's the limit. Yeah, Tommy. Final question um, to yourself. I'm going into this season, and it seems a bit strange given given how how last season went. That I'm going into this season with quite a bit of confidence and quite a bit of optimism and quite a bit of hope. Is is that how you're? feeling as we head into the new season is that a bit of blind optimism blind loyalty on our part or is it is it do you think we do have legitimate reasons um to feel in that way well you and all the the rest of the guys on the on the pod group will know that i'm a beacon of positivity at all times it has to be said on all things yeah of course it is right i mean even if nothing has happened you come around to the start of the, the new season and you're always filled with optimism such as the nature of being a football fan right particularly with angels um but if you look at everything the club has done and again i you know that we, we needed changes at the boardroom level that's happened we needed better engagement that's happened or that started to happen and we'll get better throughout the season and we needed fundamental change on the park that's happened and it's happening as well with more players to come in so all of the things that we're looking for that are drivers of optimism have happened. So, yeah, it's right to say it's going to be difficult. Celtic are a really good side. They've had a really good run, you know, and they're going to invest again. There's nothing controversial wrong with saying that. But we can be optimistic in that. Have we done what we could do to get ourselves in the best possible position to be in the fight? Absolutely we have. We've went in there and we've done our business and we intend to do more business before the transfer window closes. And I think they've been at good level. So now it's about the players and the management team performing to how they can and helping us drive them forward. And, you know, all of that goodwill that's been pulled into the squad so far, give us something to get behind because Rangers fans will. And then let's see what it takes us. But... Yeah, nobody should be sitting saying, I'm not optimistic, or rather I'd be interested to hear people who aren't optimistic because it has been a good summer so far. Now let's see how these players can gel and let's see how we can actually take the fight domestically to teams who think they know how we're going to play and what we can do. It's time to maybe show them a little bit something different. Yeah, I'll just round off that. Um, with a comment from Ophara Hill that says the number watching the show shows that we're up for it and um, yes to, to the hundreds of you that have been watching us and joined us tonight and, and commented thank you very much um, for that I'll um, we'll round off the show at that point thank you very much to Jock first of all for joining us cheers Jock nice guys just before we go I just wanted to say Tommy I'd totally back you on my tondo too I just didn't want prime time turning off <laughs> yeah, nice I feel that that's going to carry me through the rest of the season if he's still here I'm going to hear about that comment quite a lot 
By the way, you coward joke, you absolute coward. <laughs> and on that note, Tommy, thank you very much for joining us again. Always a pleasure. Yeah, listen, fantastic. Looking forward to it. It's an exciting season for the pod and, and for Rangers. And my thanks go to everybody watching and listening as well. Thanks for being with us. Yes, thank you all for watching. Please give the video a like if you've enjoyed um if you've enjoyed the content. It really does help us to to grow the pod and to to reach more people out there and we're Rangers fans, which uh, we always want to do and grow this grow this community of people who enjoy the TII podcast. Uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast as well and turn on those notifications so you get you get one every single time we go live. In terms of what we've got coming up, Kyle and the team are back on Wednesday um with with another look. I think we hope we'll, I think we hope we'll have a couple of signings in by then or they'll be very close to join us by then. So um make sure you you're, you're there for all the, the latest details and chat on Rangers summer transfer activity. And by that point we'll be less than two weeks to the first um to the first preseason friendly and we're just over I think it's a month three days um officially until the first game of the season and I for one cannot wait. Thank you very much everyone for joining us and until next time, goodbye. Podcast Network.